Welcome to Coaching Through Cancer, a show for partners, spouses, friends, and family of those fighting cancer. Daryl Taylor is a certified coach, a widower, and father. He knows firsthand the struggles that spouses and families go through after a cancer diagnosis. If you're in the battle of your life, you are not alone. This is the place for you. Hello and welcome to Coaching You Through. Today's episode is called, It's the Thought That Counts. So I want to start off talking about our fur babies. We have a dog, a cat, and a chameleon. And they all get along for the most part. Some shenanigans here and there. But there was a time when I would not consider myself a cat person. Did not like cats. But... A while back, along comes Joe. And Joe is a really cool cat. One, there's times when I swear he's human. Uh, Other times he acts like a dog. Uh, When I think about those two things, it means that maybe I'm not truly a cat person, but Joe is a cat, so I'm, I'm saying I am. But there were some adjustments to make, right? I had to learn, uh, you know, as I call it, cat ease. You know, dogs communicate with you in a certain way. You know, the wagging tail, they jump up on you, the <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, they make facial expressions and just all the sounds they use to communicate with you. And cats are not like that at all. Lizards less so, but we'll save that for another episode. Um, and a few days ago was a perfect example of this. So Joe, the cat's in the backyard, and he's playing on the patio. And he comes back in, and lo and behold, he's got sort of a half-dead lizard that he's caught. And the lizard's tail has been bitten off at this point, and the lizard's squirming around on the floor, and Joe's playing with him. Just a gruesome scene, right? And he dropped this off in front of Kim and the girls. So I'm hearing all this yelling, you know, Joe, that's gross. That's nasty. And those things are probably true. I don't think I disagree with them, especially seeing the video. Um, but what if I told you that that horrific scene was actually an act of love? Cats, by their nature, are natural-born predators, right? They hunt instinctively. Um, it's a survival instinct for them. Cats engage in this rodent, you know, prey-catching behavior in order to teach their young how to survive. Again, it looks cruel to us, but it's an act of love to teach their their kittens how to how to hunt, how to kill, and how to survive. But there's another reason they do this. And it's because cats, when they do something like this and they drop a prey off, it means that they are sharing it with the family. They're essentially saying, Look, fam, look what I caught. Aren't you proud of me? Food is love. That's what it means for them. They're sharing that with you because they consider you to be family. Okay, so caveat time. I'm not endorsing any type of uh, animal rearing training behavior. Um, I don't think this is behavior you want to encourage. I'm not saying to see it as an act of love and somehow engage with it. But um, I just want to make that point that the way you look at the situation can change how you feel about it. And when I explained that this is what Joe was doing, some of the yelling went from that to like, aw, still gross, but a different sentiment. So same circumstance, same half-dead, tailless lizard, 
But the scene that was, you know, still elements of horrific was different. I mean, it turned into, as much as it could, a sort of warm family moment. There's another reason I never liked cats. It was the resting, you know, face that they always have. They always either look arrogant or annoyed. But that's before I realized that cats, unlike dogs, don't have the facial muscles to mimic human faces. Cats can't smile, but they do have a way of smiling. If you've ever been in the room with your cat and it's sitting there and it looks at you and it kind of looks like it's falling asleep and it does that slow blink and open, that's a cat smile. When they slow blink, cats do it to other cats or to us humans. They're just exchanging good feelings and showing that they're happy and they're comfortable with you. In the wild, a cat would never close their eyes to anything that they would think of as threatening. So take it as a, I love you and I trust you when you see your cat blink its eyes. This is the case for almost any circumstance in our life. It's always the thought that counts. In almost every case, there's another way of viewing that situation. A way that might be foreign to you or inaccessible to you, but it's there. Uh, one of the things I encourage people to do is to, one, really just question if their perception is true in an absolute sense. So if we can find another way that someone else might think about the same circumstance, if we can reframe that circumstance from a, a different point of view, then we begin the next step. The next step is to actively try on some of those other perspectives. The the mental and emotional work to to get from where you are to where one of those other thoughts might be reasonably held and to see what comes up for you, especially in the realm of emotions. Like, how do you feel in your body? Do you feel, instead of anger, do you feel some sympathy or empathy? Do you, instead of feeling confusion, feel frustration, right? It doesn't necessarily have to beget a good emotion, but you just want to be able to see it and experience it from another perspective. Now, I feel it's possible to hold both thoughts in tension, right? You know, in the case of Joe's gift, um, it can be equal parts gross and some parts heartwarming, right? And I think you can do that with other things in life. You can have, you know, um, two siblings that disover disagree over how to deal with your parents when they get older. And that's a complicated subject, but you can see where someone might want them to, to live with the kids and stay at home with them, to care for them directly. And others might feel like that's not the place where they could get the best care. And so it might be better for them to be, you know, in a, in a, uh, a senior community or something like this. Neither idea has to be viewed as wholly selfish or um, entirely incorrect. Those are just perspectives based oftentimes off of the same desire. In that case, both people want to take care of their parents and they just see different ways of doing that best. One of the things that I love to work on in coaching is this, helping people, guiding people, and witnessing people when they get to see their thoughts and become aware of this connection that your thoughts really do create your feelings for good or for bad. And we all understand 
at a basic level that it's our feelings that compel us or repel us from from doing things. They either push us forward or they keep us frozen in our tracks. So pick any topic in your life, just as an experiment, right? And study it. Study it from different angles. Question it. Question your assumptions. Question what you were told about it. Challenge it. And then work on replacing it. So for a moment, let's go back to the case of taking care of our elderly parents. Um, It is the case that some people might want to put their parents in a, um, a senior home or to keep them in their house for, you know, uh, nefarious reasons, bad reasons, you know, sort of after the, the family inheritance or one of these scenarios that you would see play out in a movie. Um, but the other thing that's important is what is your relationship to that thought? Because when your relationship to that thought or that pattern of thought changes, your life changes fundamentally. How you feel changes and how you show up changes. Now, this isn't just wishful thinking. Studies have shown that by intentionally practicing new thoughts, intentional thoughts, you can create new neural pathways for understanding and for feeling, and it will ultimately make you feel better. The way I've heard it described is if you can imagine a mound of dirt or sand with, you know, uh, sections, you know, sort of ravines that are washed out because of the course of water flowing over the hill. And... What we're essentially doing is you have a pathway that is basically like, call it a fear pathway, uh, and it keeps you frozen and it keeps you stuck. Uh, We can create a new pathway such that even though you enter that fear pathway at one point, you can divert your energy, divert your attention, uh, divert how you ultimately feel and show up uh, through a new pathway that you practice by practicing these intentional thoughts. So if you're curious about this and other topics, you can find me on Instagram at Coaching You Through. Uh, there's a link in my bio where you can get a, um, a freebie from me that is about being present. And being present embodies some mindfulness practices, but it really does embody um, a lot of what we talked about here. And so I encourage you to pick that up, and hopefully you find it's of some use and some value to you. Uh, and again, until next time. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Share this episode with friends, families, and others in the fight. We'd love to hear from you. What's your story? What are your thoughts, experiences, and what would you like to hear discussed? Reach out at www.coachingyouthrough.com. That's coachingyouthrough, with the letter U, dot com. Thank you.